Now, since my brother here is the backup wrestler, <laughs> he could take the place of Captain Proctology. <laughs> you know, she's right. You can fight the bumblebee. <laughs> Everyone? <laughs> Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back to the Married to Children podcast uh, down here in Australia where it's starting to warm a little bit more now out of our cold slumber. And today, Team Australia is going to be reviewing Flight of the Bumblebee, Season 10, Episode 7. My name is Matt, and I've just sucked all the salt of the pretzels. And my name is Annabelle, and I skipped bingo and slipping denture theatre tonight to join you in the nudie bar. And my name's Steve, and I'm sitting here near my computer, in my underwear, the way God intended. <laughs> <laughs> well, sounds like it's going to be a good one tonight between Mr. Bingo and sitting in underwear. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, so, tonight's episode was originally aired on the 29th of October, 1995. It was written by Calvin Brown Jr. and directed by Jerry Cohen. It's what, a little bit about it. Well, so the tenth season seventh episode, uh, we have the return of King Kong Bundy. This time as himself, rather than Uncle Uncle Irwin back in season two. Bud is looking to be initiated into No Ma'am, and his final test is to get a, his picture taken with King Kong Bundy himself. And we've got quite a lot of guests in this episode today, and away we go. Guest cast: Hal Sylvester as Griff. E.E. E. Bell as Bob Rooney, Tom McClellister as Ike, Benjamin Lum as Sticky, Carol and Susie as Franny, Alex Elias as Louise, King Kong Bundy as himself, Michael Clark Duncan as the Bouncer, Carrie Gensel as Natalie, Jimmy Lennon Jr. as the Ring Announcer, Frank Lloyd as the Referee, Mariah Davis as Anytime, and Kate Weisskopf as Girl Witch. Tonight, celebrate Halloween Bundy style. Don't we look scary? No, this is scary. And see Bud make his pro wrestling debut. <laughs> He's so scary, man. A brand new Married with Children tonight. So our episode today begins with... Al and No Ma'am very triumphantly singing, This is a man's world! Woo! And they're all ready to watch some wrestling while the ladies are out at bingo. They've got their snacks, their just Oreo filling, just jerky, and the one that made me crack like the most, just alcohol! This is a man's world! Dun, 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 this is a man's world! Tonight, my no-man brothers, 
While our wives are frittering their lives away at bingo, we will be watching the sport of kings. Wrestling! Yes! <laughs> Have we got the necessary snacks from the Just store? Yeah, I've got Just Oreo filling. I've got Just Jerky. And I got Just Alcohol! <laughs> <laughs> now, was that Just Alcohol or was it? It looked like a bottle of vodka. Oh, I don't think it could have been Just Alcohol because it would have been terminal drinking it. My best guess would be vodka or uh, clear absinthe. <laughs> well, that's the closest you can get to just alcohol, absinthe. <laughs> oh, I noticed the uh, the uh, the song they were singing, of course, was the James Brown song. Yeah, it'd be nothing yes, yes, without yes. a woman. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny how they go with that—that that it goes, it's a man's world, but what does it say? It's but it can't be without a woman or a girl or something. What's the lyric? Or a girl, and they don't, they don't pick on that. They just, you think they have a go at it? <laughs> no, they just uh, wanted to sing the first bit of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, because let's face it, they don't even have time to sing um, the rest of the song when they open the door of the house. Uh, but before we go on to that, uh, it's a man's 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 world, as you mentioned, Steve and Anna, written by James Brown and Betty G. Newsom, recorded by James Brown himself on the sixteenth of February, nineteen sixty-six in New York City, released later that year, went num- number one on Billboard's R&B chart, and number eight on the Hot 100, and it's titled on the play of the 63 comedy film, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Have you seen that film, Matt? Uh, can't say I have. Either of you? I saw it a long time ago, and I do remember, there was all these comedy stars in it, and it was a sort yeah. of Sunday afternoon matinee sort of show. And I can't remember, but I do remember rolling on the floor laughing as a kid watching it. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those silly, like, Three Stooges-style... Co- com- I, I don't even think the Three Stooges might have been in it. I can't remember. Oh, I wouldn't put it past it, but I think it's like Milton Berle type. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a film, I think, about 2000, 2001, called Rat Race. Very yeah. much, very similar vein, but it had people like John Cleese and Rowan Atkinson in it. Very silly film, but it was very much... A sort of a, a reimagining of it's a mad, 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 mad world. But yeah, both worth a watch, I suppose. I have to get around to them so, at some point. Uh, um, so whenever I get a chance. I mean, uh, on, on a quick tangent. I mean, the main movies I've been watching. I've been still. I'm still at the time of recording in September of 2021. Been rewatching um, the Bond films. Oh, very good, Matt. I'm just about to start doing the same. Make sure you watch all 24 before No Time to Die comes out. I do actually have all 24 of them now available in 4K, so I'm going to watch them all in 4K. Good. <laughs> Giggity. All right. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so our men with their Just Snacks from the Just Store, um, which reminds me of Just Juice here in Australia, uh, <laughs> they, open the d- <laughs> they open the door and, oh, the women are home because they skip bingo to watch the movie Old Man Older woman. Well, Peg, like I said when I woke up this morning, what the hell are you doing here? We skipped bingo tonight to watch the TV movie Old Man, Older Woman. They made a movie of our love life? No, that would be Young Redhead, Younger Pizza Boy. 
CBS. Oh, of course, you got it. <laughs> of course. So, as far as that is not 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 a real film, but it's an epic love story spanning three generations with Catherine Hepburn, uh, Hume Cronin, and Buddy Ebsen as Junior. This is obviously a fictional made-for-TV film. <laughs> the obviously pl- obvious play there is on Buddy Ebsen being junior because Buddy Ebsen, when he was last on TV, <laughs> was about 89 or something, I think. Yes. <laughs> Old Man, Older Woman is the TV movie event of the season. It's an epic love story spanning three generations ages 70 through 100. <laughs> Starring Hume Cronin, Catherine Hepburn, and introducing Buddy Ebsen as junior. <laughs> CBS? Of course. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, a few more about these um, actors. Uh, so Hume Cronin was born on the 18th of July, 1911, passed away 15th of June, 2003, a Canadian actor of stage and screen who enjoyed a long career and often appeared al- along with his wife of over 50 years, Jessica Tandy. Catherine Hepburn, born the 12th of May, 1907 and passed away the 29th of June, 2003, she was an American actress who was a leading lady in Hollywood for more than 60 years. Did a range of genres from screwball comedy to literary, literary drama. And she received a record of four Academy Awards for lead acting performances and eight further nominations. Nominated in 1999 by the American Film Institute for the greatest female star of classic Hollywood cinema. Known for a fierce independence and spirited personality. And last but not least, Buddy Hebson. Born on the 2nd of April, 1908. Passed away 6th of July, 2003. An American actor and dancer whose career spanned seven decades. He was most famous for being Jed Clampett on the Beverly Hillbillies on, you guessed it, CBS between 1962 and 1971. And when he starred as the title character in Barnaby Jones between 1973 and 1980. So the joke, at the time, CBS was known for being the old, unhip channel, as opposed to Fox, NBC, and ABC. As it was NB- ABC had the TGIF lineup. Fox is obviously the new channel. NBC had things like Friends. So yeah, CBS was very much the old dog at this point. Yeah, I love <laughs> they picked the three oldest actors in existence. To... <laughs> Do you remember uh, in season nine, I think it's in Kelly Breaks Out, there's a joke about Buddy Ebsen being mistaken for Keith Richards and the other way around. <laughs> but that's not Buddy Ebsen. That's not Keith <laughs> It's Buddy Ebsen. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I mean, reminds me, how on earth is Keith Richards invincible? He must be invincible or something, that man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, at the time of recording, Charlie Watts has only just passed away. Um, and Keith Richards is, is the cockroach who will outlive us all. I know. I mean, uh, I'll probably be about oh, 60 years and I'll probably probably think, how is Keith Richards still alive? And then the next day, I'm gone. <laughs> Keith Richards <laughs> did all the damage quite young, though. That's the thing. Because he hasn't had drugs for about 40 years, so he's been quite clean. It's just <laughs> the first 20 years of his life made a mess of him. <laughs> and he's just been old ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He, wanted, he got old overnight. I've got a lot of the stone stuff, and you look, he just got old, just old the next day sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're only, we're only young once, uh, so make the most of it. You're only as uh, old as you feel. That's what I say. Yeah, but even I can't see myself, despite me liking all these older shows, watching Slipping Denture Theatre. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, and uh, when I was watching this, I thought to myself, okay, so kind of guys going to go to Marcy's, but then obviously Marcy's all, Jefferson, you can only have one friend over, and then he, then he claims, but I've done all my chores. Come on, guys. Let's go back to my place. We don't have to stay here and take guff from the women. Yeah. Hold it, mister. You know the rules, only one friend over at a time. <laughs> but I did all my chores. There must be somewhere we can proudly watch wrestling. Um, how about your grown son's room down in the basement? Griff, you're a genius. We'll watch it on Buzz TV. Yes, Buzz yes, TV. yes, yes. Buzz TV. <laughs> <laughs> he's good at doing that little boy voice, isn't he? He's done another episode somewhere, and he says, "Well, the other kids got things, or something. He got someone else got presents, or something like that." <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Oh, Al got two. Someone got two presents. It was one when they went to um. Oh, there's one where Kelly was working in the uh, theme park. Oh yeah. Um. In in the Goodbye Girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was season six. Jefferson says, "Well, you got two things." You got two things. <laughs> yeah, that was season six. <laughs> uh, the one thing I noticed here too was that line that Peg says, where they go, "Old man, old woman." She says, oh, "No, the young redhead, younger pizza boy." Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that refers me. If any of those of us that have seen the um, ruder versions of Married with Children will know, there's a lot of young pizza boys in those movies. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's valuable information, yes, Steve. Say, I, I will say no more. Yes, <laughs> but all I'll ask is, were any of these naughtier versions out while the show was still in the air? I think so, uh, or soon after. I do remember back in the day the guys did say they were going to do a podcast just on the, the naughty versions, but um, maybe they'll be for another day sometime. Married with Hormones in video 1991. Wow. Whoa. There's an also Not Married with Children, I think. There's another one. One and there is, one and there's... two, yeah. As old as I am, that one. That uh, yeah. There's definitely pizza boys in one. I don't know about the other one. <laughs> so maybe the. Rep- I think I do have them somewhere, Matt. Maybe I might be able to hook you up, but we'll 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 see. I I do I do have them. I I have them all just just for research yeah. purposes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, hasn't? Because you know I collect everything to do with this show. I'm a completist. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I always say to my friends when they're talking about my fandom, I always say to them, you need to meet my friend in Adelaide. <laughs> so the guys can't go to Marcy's because Jefferson can only have one friend over at a time. Uh, but um, Al's got a good I- good idea. Um, well, uh, after he disses the Joy Cluck Club, uh, which is a reference to a 1993 American drama film about the ref- relationships between Chinese-American women and their immigrant mothers... Uh, they decide to go to the basement. But, so you really think Bud has a girl down there? Oh, probably not. Oh, come on. This is Bud. I don't think he'd have a girl down there. Oh, hang on. Cut to the next scene. Huh? Bud's got a bird. What the heck? <laughs> I like Ike. He goes, son of a gun. He does have a girl down here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is uh, Carrie Gensel playing um the girl Bud's got. And, uh... Well, it turns out uh, she only goes all the way on the first date, and uh, Bud's pretty excited, isn't he? Yeah, Nasty Natalie. Yes, that's right, yeah, Nasty Natalie and uh, Bud. Uh, oh, and just when they're about to, you know, do the, do their thing, bang, bang. You really think he's got a girl in there? Five bucks says he does it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bud. 
I'm not like other girls. I understand. I only go all the way on the first date. <laughs> Oh, be a son of a gun. He does have a girl down here. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. I got a girl here? I know it. You just cost me five bucks, damn you. By the way, do not write Nasty Natalie into your browser and search. <laughs> do or don't? <laughs> Or, or, um, yes, I mean, Steve might might fancy that, but I don't know. But, uh, yes, it's just, if you type that, you'll get some interesting results. No. I'll just wait while everyone just checks that out. I'll just put noted. Yeah. <laughs> for future reference. Yeah, I'll just know future reference too. All I found was a personal trainer in Belfast, so nothing too bad. <laughs> Actually, the the girl who plays Nasty Natalie, I found her on Twitter once, because she was posting about the show. I think she received a royalty check from um, uh, Sony, Columbia, whatever, Fox, just one day, and she was, either she posted the the royalty check, it would have been, you know, for like 23 cents or something like that, but she actually posted something positive about the show, saying what fun it was, and I I looked her up and I was like, oh, that's Nasty Natalie, so she had fun on the show. That's really pleasing to hear, Uh, and uh, she went on to being Sky Chandler on ABC's All My Children, as along with a recurring role on The Walking Dead on AMC, and two memorable roles on CW Supernatural. And uh, now Carrie Gensel, okay, Nasty Natalie, turns turned fifty in, in this month in September of twenty twenty one. Wow, that's probably uh, Walking Dead. That's probably where I saw. Yeah, him. you see it there. The bangs are well. Notice how none of no ma'am fall down the basement step. Yes. Yeah, notice how none of them fall trip on the step. Yep. I guess that's only a joke when you're out of the basement for looking at it from the outside. True. Yeah. And uh, obviously they were too keen. Um, well, they obviously were focused and probably made sure they didn't trip. And uh, yeah, so that's that's why I see it. So they 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 are on a mission to watch some wrestling, even if they, even if they ruined Bud with chance with Nasty Nashley, the easiest jig in Chicago. Just Cheeto dust? Just stick it. Just stick. And Al made a bet. How <laughs> bad his own son with a girl. <laughs> bet against him, yeah. Oh, Al. How, that's treason. He abused him too. He said, you just cost me $5. <laughs> yes. Oh. Now, sorry, guys. I have to do this. See how much that $5, a fiver would be worth <laughs> now. <laughs> so a fiver in um, 1995... So we'll be a little bit more now. Uh, I'm guessing it's around a tenner, but we shall see about that. A fiver in 1995 is $8.96 in 2021. And of course, if you convert it to Australian dollar reduce, we are talking about $12.02. Wow. So not that much worth more. So that's still a that's still a pretty small bet now. And then Al makes a comment about how if if he didn't do the um easiest um like the chicken Chicago when he was young, he he'd be he wouldn't have be married, wouldn't have kids, and be watching TV in his underwear as, as the Lord intended, <laughs> wouldn't he? And we've got a joke that we've got. Uh, I'll I'll have to explain to my own kids one day about when uh. Bud stands behind the TV with a coat hanger to get the best reception. <sighs> That's one joke I have to explain to my children when I when I become a dad. Just any child who's is around now, I suppose, 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> TV, just as we go on, people are not going to understand that. That's true. I mean, I think about my friends who already have kids, and they often explain it to them. Yeah, scary. Mm. I was just saying, that's, that used to be a bit of a ritual. Everybody's house is walking around trying to get the best reception on their TV aerial inside. Oh, yes, with the rabbit ears. Yeah. SBS especially. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was a teenager, when I was 14, I still had a rabbit ears TV. Um, this wasn't the main family TV, but it was the one in my... um in the back end of the house near where my bedroom was. And uh, I had to remember how to fiddling around in the aerial trying to get the best reception on Doctor Who and the ABC. Mm. I did that. I, I've a similar story, Matt. I remember when I was younger, and I, it used to be the days when it was that time when Doctor Who and the goodies was on. I used to record the goodies on a VHS. I wanted to get the best reception. And the only way I get good reception without ghosting was to take the ribbon antenna cable and attach it to the um, the electric heater, the bars on the electric heater. Yeah. Don't ask me why, but actually earthed it and gave it a really good picture. <laughs> yeah. That was the only way I get good reception. <laughs> yeah, cool. Awesome. So Bud gets in the position at the right, right time to, for King Kong Buddy to be interviewed. Uh, well, Peg took his nickname, according to Al. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and here's a little bit about King Kong Bundy, for, um, for just as a refresher, and those who weren't with us back in Season 2. So, Christopher Allen Pallies, or Palais, I don't know how to pronounce his surname. He was born on the 7th of November, 1955, and passed away on the 4th of March, 2019, uh, literally the day after I met Annabelle for the first time in person. Uh, he was an American professional wrestler, actor, and stand-up comedian, better known by his ring name, which of course was King Kong Bundy. He appeared in the World Wrestling Federation, or WWF, in the mid-80s to mid-90s, and wrestled in the main event of WrestleMania 2 in 86, facing Hulk Hogan in a steel cage match for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship and previously appeared in 1988's um, Season 2 episode of Married to Children entitled All in the Family. So that's a little bit about our King Kong Bundy. And as mentioned before, uh, Al Bundy and Steve Rhodes were named after King Kong Bundy and Dusty Rhodes, both wrestlers. Now this is just a highlight. This is the period I watched wrestling, that peak period of the WWF first going probably from WrestleMania 1 to WrestleMania about 9 or 10 I watched it. Yeah. So you're talking about your King Kong Bundy, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, uh, Randy Savage sort of years. Yeah. And um, I, the, the, the main memory I've got of King Kong Bundy is at WrestleMania 3. Um, and this links up really good with midget wrestling because he had a, a tag, six-man tag team. It was him against Hillbilly Jim and both of them had two midgets on their side as well. Yeah. So, but the rule was that the the uh, the big guys weren't allowed to get into the ring when the midgets were in there. Well, anyway, the story is, or, or I've got the video, so it's not a story. One of the little midgets called Little Beaver um, stayed in the ring and tried to take on King Kong Bundy and proceeded to try and do a drop kick to him. And of course, he bounced off and fell to the floor. King Kong Bundy, much like happens in this episode, got quite angry with the little fella, picked him up, picked him up, and body slammed him. Oh. And then went across, jumped up in the air, and then did a dropping elbow, dropped to his throat, knocked him out. And then the final part of the fight was that King Kong Bundy was going to uh, splash on top of him, but all the midgets banded together and dragged the other little midget out and pushed him away, and King Kong Bundy got disqualified. And 
that just stuck in my mind. That and I've watched wrestling ever since for about ten years. It was just hilarious. But um, yeah, so that there actually it was midget wrestling in the WWF, and King Kong Bunny was responsible for some of it. Haha, <laughs> nice. Uh, you ever watch any wrestling at Anna? Oh no, I'm not a wrestling fan at all. But I, I see its appeal. Having said that, that I'm not a fan, I do see its appeal because it, it is pure show business really and it's just entertainment but i was just i was just wondering what you mean it's not real <laughs> <laughs> well what it might be no. <laughs> i'm sorry to say but uh but yeah i was just thinking before um there's a lot of crossover with fans of married with children and wrestling especially people who are say my age or older i mean about you alex has talked about wrestling a lot so people around about 40 and and up i suppose um i don't want to generalize too much but there's a lot of crossover between the two worlds married with children and wrestling especially wrestling of this time and i'm just wondering what well, what is it that appeals so much for both for a fan to love both things and even the creators of the show have named as you said al bundy steve rhodes and luke ventura after the names of wrestlers so it was it was so huge but it's very appealing somehow i think one of the explanations because i didn't used to like it myself i used to like it in the 70s there was a world championship wrestling used to be held in melbourne um used to be on channel nine and that was a lunchtime sort of thing a lot of the big wrestlers from overseas came out here including guys like andre the giant and that was a big thing at the time then it died off and then this um came again in a, a second run wrestling's always been going but there's always been these these peak times of it and this second uh, wave come through started wrestlemania one and this was when it was like rock and roll wrestling this is when you brought in your alice cooper and cindy lauper as referees and muhammad ali was a referee at wrestlemania one for instance and made this big thing and the best explanation i've ever heard as, as guys enjoying it was that this was the guy's version of days of our lives this was their soap opera. Huh. So there was always a storyline from week to week to week. There was always a storyline. So it wasn't just the wrestling matches. It was the storylines behind it, how the good guys turned to heel, how the heels turned good guys, um, all the storylines going along in the background. And that was the thing. If you just watch it on one night and see the wrestling fight, say, oh, this is fake, etc., etc., etc. But if you follow the storylines week by week by week, you tune in every week, just like a soap opera, to see what the next installment was. And that's what got guys really interested in it and it just had such a big huge following in the late 80s and early 90s and just marries up that peak time of wrestling really marries up with when married children was on i think that might have a lot to do with it because it sort of died off a bit after that once the wwf faded away and became wwe and all that and then you went to your to your um stone cold steve austin's and the rocks and all these sort of stuff which i, I lost interest by then but that early that period in the middle there was a real glam period and it was a lot of fun, and then it got more serious. But just in that 10-year period, I just, I, said, I just noticed it does really marry up with a whole run of Married with Children, so that might have something to do with it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that's, that's spot on, actually. Yeah. Um, I, so being Australian and uh, being a girl <laughs> and not knowing much about wrestling, um, I, I know who a lot of these wrestlers are because they were so damn popular back then and that's when they started branching out into movies you yeah. know hulk hogan started doing movies and things like that and i know andre the giant of course from princess bride and he was so endearing in that film 
and um, yeah, just things like that. I mean, I know who these people are. I was just never really interested in wrestling itself. But I suppose if I actually sat down and watched it, I'd be like, oh yeah, I get it now. It's it's addictive and it's 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 entertaining. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, I've never been, never been much of a wrestling fan myself. Uh, I don't mind. I actually went to see some uh, local wrestling just earlier this year, back in our, our winter, so around, I think it was July or August. Uh, and I must say, I enjoyed it. Uh, I've, so I've come to like things like wrestling more and more as I've gotten older. Mm. I even had some wrestlers like chasing each other to the backstage, thinking, ooh, backstage fight. <laughs> Bit of escape. And I, cer- I certainly know who The Rock is, of course. Oh, yeah. Well, well, funny enough, you should say this, because I always have this argument with my sons. They know who The Rock is, and they watch The Rock movies. But in this period when King Kong Bundy was fighting, there was a wrestler called Don Morocco, and his na- nickname was The Rock. So there was a, already a rock before this rock. So he's The Rock too, or The Rock Jr. <laughs> <laughs> But then again, then again, the rocks, the rocks, fa- the, the rocks' father was actually a wrestler as well. So it, it just yeah, was he called the Rock as well? Yeah, no, he wasn't called the Rock as well. I forget his name. <laughs> Maybe the Rock Three, because there's a show now called Young Rock, which is based on the Rock's life when he was young, and his father's a, a wrestler from back then. But I didn't yeah. know about this other guy called the Rock. Yeah, Don Morocco, the Rock. Yep, I think he was called a Rock because he just looked like a Rock. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, that's our Rock. That's for sure. Uh... Yeah, so, and then you hear about, uh, well, Bud wants to get into No Ma'am, doesn't he? More than anything. He's been trying for a while. Yeah. I think he's too short, personally. Well, I mean, I, I don't know, I mean, uh, it's a man's club, so men, <laughs> men do come in various heights. But yes, in the midst of um, arguing with the TV and announcing a Mike Tyson-McCauley Culkin fight, uh, <laughs> they're both God. one of the most famous, first box, most famous boxers and uh, Mr. Home Alone, uh, yes, uh, but, uh, and being the human antenna, so... What's wrong with the TV? we got to stand behind it with a clothes hanger for the picture to prove Al tells um, Bud that King Kong Bundy is a man's man. He is just oh, what? Oh, oh he's just a human antenna. And uh... remember, that's tomorrow night, right after the Mike Tyson Macaulay Culkin fight. <laughs> King Kong Bundy is the greatest. He's my idol. Well, him and Yanni. <laughs> hey. I think we should make King Kong Bundy an honorary member of No Man. That's, yeah, that's a great idea. idea. Uh, uh, wait a second. I've been trying to get into No Man for six months now. Why is King Kong Bundy going to get in over me? Well, let's see. King Kong is a man's man, and you're a human antenna. <laughs> well, but I'll take the No Man pledge of challenging labor while still being the official bo- No Man bottle opener. Oh, or should I say his teeth? Oh, ouch. Now, tomorrow night... You go down to Wrestlepalooza. If you can get your picture taken with King Kong Bundy, our idol, you're in. Son, make me proud. <laughs> what if I can't get the picture? Well, then you can still be the official no man bottle opener. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. I felt that. I, felt I did that like, too. you notice Al caught the bottle over the top that Bud spread out? No. Al caught it. I think it was an accident because he sort of caught it with his left hand and they just all started cheering. <laughs> I'll have to look at that again. <laughs> so will I. Yeah, so Bud has been assigned a mission. He is to go to Wrestlepalooza and get a photo with King Kong Bundy himself. 
Uh, and that's gonna be uh, fairly easy, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> hey, Steve, it's gonna be pretty easy. on Halloween. Yeah, on Halloween. <laughs> on Halloween. Yeah, King Kong Bundy's the greatest. He's my idol. Well, him and Yanny. Oh, I had to look Yanny up today because I knew the name. I didn't know what he was. So you got some info on him, Matt? I do, I do. So a bit about Yanny, uh, or Yanis Chrysomalis, born on the 14th of November, 1954, known professionally as just Yanny. He is a Greek composer, keyboardist, pianist and music producer who has lived in the United States throughout his adult life. His breakthrough concert, Live at the Acropolis, was filmed in September of 1993 at the 2,000-year-old Herodotus Atticus Theatre at the Acropolis of Athens. And an album, VHS, and, if you remember it, Laserdisc, of it was released in 1994. Whoa. I know. Laserdisc was still a thing in 1994. Well, I be. um, Acropolis uh, was Yanni's first live album and used his core band with a full 60-piece orchestra, the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, arranged and conducted by Iranian-American musician Shradad Rohani. Now, uh, Annabelle, was this ever a thing in Australia? I don't think they were that big here. Uh, not really. I do know who Yanni is, but I think it's because he's been referenced on television and things like this at this time. All right. So he was very popular around then, these, you know, 93, 94, 95 mid-90s, but if you asked me to identify him in a lineup, I'm not sure I could. Fair enough. He would have been popular around about here, around about that time, because as our American friends probably don't realise, there's a lot, there's a huge Greek population in Melbourne, um, mm. so he would have been quite popular. I, I, I know his name, I know what he did, etc, etc, but I didn't know some of that information until Matt read it out, but I do know who he was. As soon as they said Yanni, I knew who he was. <clears throat> yeah, same. And he was a, a Greek pianist of some kind. I know, it does ring a bell now, uh... And I'm guessing, was the laser disc of his performance on sale here, Anna? Oh, I, uh, maybe. Because, I, I don't know, I think laser disc passed me by. Yeah. They were sort of here fleetingly in about 1991. Laser disc passed yeah, me I by. Never, I never had a laser disc player. Mm, I went straight from VHS to DVD, and I've seen some yeah. um, digital copies of laser disc, and I can tell you now, it's nowhere near DVD quality. Even though the disc was 12 <laughs> inches like a vinyl LP. That's right. But they weren't, they weren't very good quality. Well, there's probably a reason mm. it didn't take off in this country. Mm. Yeah. But Yanni's someone I always associated sort of being a contemporary of Kenny G or something like that. Um, I have no idea if they even know each other. But that sort of thing, you know, but a musician who, with curly hair, I don't know. <laughs> the Yanni and Kenny G, Miracles. Yanni, Kenny G, Greatest Hits, Full Album. Oh my God, 2021 album. <laughs> what is this? Yeah, what is this sorcery? Kenny G and Yanni, music. They're probably best mates, and I had no idea. Probably. Yep, they've got albums together. Oh my god. There's an, the Greatest Hits album out this year. Nice. Beginning August 1st, wow. Alright, I'll put that down for further research. <laughs> <laughs> oh, research again. If, if either of them have done Flight of the Bumblebee, I will die. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So we get to the back of Palooza, and, uh, yeah, Bud's in the costume, isn't he? <laughs> but he's very annoyed. He explicitly said he wanted to be in a co- 
costume as a wrestler, not a Chuck E. Cheese player. I asked you to rent me a costume so I could pass as a wrestler, not one of the, the Chuck E. Cheese players. <laughs> Bud, it's Halloween. It was either this or Pocahontas. <laughs> Frankly, I don't think you have the cleavage for it. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese, I mean, that's something we don't have here, but we know, we know what it is. Thanks to various American uh, movies and uh, TV shows. Uh, they referenced it before in Married to Children back in season six, Teacher Pets. Uh, and there's a chain of American family restaurants and entertainment centers, primary brand of CC Entertainment, headquartered in Irving, Texas. It serves pizza and other, uh, other, other foods, conferences by arcade games, uh, amusement rides, animatronic displays, that's where the creatures come in as a focus of family entertainment. And of course, the name comes from the main character, Chuck E. Cheese, a comedic rat who sings it into rats with guests. There was a parody of this in The Simpsons called Wally Weasels. Yeah. Hmm. Now I just think of Pizza Rat. If you've heard of Pizza Rat. Yes. In New York, I think. Yeah. So Kelly, who may I add, um, when she walks in, almost looks Egyptian to me with that eye mask in that stunning, shiny gold dress. Oh. It just gave me an Egyptian vibe. <laughs> so it's Halloween, all the other costumes are gone, and apparently, uh, it was Bumblebee or Pocahontas. <laughs> yes, but he doesn't have the cleavage for Pocahontas. No, 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 far from it. Uh, this was actually a very timely reference, because Pocahontas is a 1995 American animated romantic musical drama film. Lucy is based on the life of uh, the Native American woman Pocahontas herself, fictionalised encounter of, with Englishman John Smith and the Jameson settlers that arrived from the Virginia Company. It was produced by, of course, Walt Disney Animation and released by, by, in, uh, 23rd of June 1995. 33rd animated Disney film and the 6th um, animated Disney film produced as released during a period of Disney Renaissance, which for me personally will always be my favourite era of Disney, So, which started with The Little Mermaid, then we had Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, The Lion King, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Mulan, and finally Tarzan. Yeah, it was a pretty um, awesome era for Disney, and it's probably the best, all those, especially the first four or five movies you mentioned there, because The Lion King was my favourite movie as a, as a, as a young'un. Yeah. That would have been probably the last ones before they moved across the CGI stuff. Mm. Before Toy Story, yeah. Mm. Yes, because Toy Story came out the same year as Pocahontas, and I'll also add, The Lion King was actually the very first film I saw in the cinema when I was only three years old. Oh. <laughs> I actually remember seeing bits of it in the cinema. I'm not kidding, I actually still remember seeing it. I, I believe you. I mean, I saw it in the cinema, but I was 13, so... <laughs> Uh, no, it wasn't. I was 12. Yeah, you were 12. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so. Yeah, but I certainly remember it because I was so in love with Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who voiced Simba. And you would have also known him as being Randy from Home Improvement. <laughs> oh, yes. Very much so, because that was one of my favourite shows. Nice. Yeah, I, well, I knew all the voice actors in that, so I was like, oh my god, it's an all-star cast. This is so cool, you know? Mr. Bean is Zazu. What? Yes, <laughs> yes. Did you see any of the other um, Disney Renaissance films in the cinema, Anna? Um, in the cinema, I saw Aladdin, and uh, then on, I did see all the Toy Stories, or the first two Toy Stories in the as the Disney films. But I think 
I don't think I saw Pocahontas. I think I saw that at home. But I certainly remember the soundtrack. You know, with colours of the wind and all that. Just around the river bend. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm a bit biased, but I've seen all the Disney Remember songs, either on video or I've seen or saw four of them in the cinema. So, uh, yeah. Before we move on from this, I always remember going to see Tarzan, and uh, I had to be evacuated from the cinema because one of the adjacent screens got on, caught on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Not kidding. <laughs> no, I've never seen that. Well, there you go. Yes. Um, thank you, Morley Cinema in Perth. Uh, Yes, the memory I always remember when I was eight years old. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> Poor Budden's costume. Uh. Yeah, and I, I have seen Pocahontas. I think I saw it on video when it came out at home. But when I think Pocahontas, I certainly think costumes with cleavage, Kelly. But yes. <laughs> I'm tr- now I'm struggling to picture Bud in a Pocahontas costume, but the Bumblebee worked better. I think so, too. I mean, even I couldn't... Uh... Oh, I was going to say, uh, even I couldn't pull off that sort of co- costume. No way. I mean, the most girly I've ever dressed, would, would, or probably ever will be, will be in a tutu. <laughs> hmm. And this guy playing the security guard, he's hella familiar. Michael Clark Duncan, who addresses um, Be- Kelly and Bud as, Oh, let me guess. Beauty and the Flea, right? Oh, let me guess. Beauty and the Flea, right? <laughs> That's, uh, that's, that's close, work release. <laughs> Listen, uh, I'm a wrestler known as the, uh, well, the Bumblebee. I don't see no insects on tonight's card. Well, that's because, um, you see, I'm a backup wrestler. So in case any of the regular wrestlers can't perform their duties, then I... He duties for them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and sadly, he's he's since passed away as well. Michael Clark Duncan. That's a pity. Uh, so, a bit more about Michael Clark Duncan for all you listeners at home. He's not just a security guard in this episode, but Michael Clark Duncan, born on the 10th of December 1957, and sadly passed away on the 3rd of September 2012, best known for being John Coffey in The Green Mile in 1999, and he also was in other films, including... Planet of the Apes 2001, The Scorpion King, Sin City, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, Voices in Brother Bear, Kung Fu Panda, uh, Welcome Home Roscoe Jenkins, Green Lantern 2011, and was also in the TV series Bones and The Finder. He was also pretty tall, six foot five. Yeah, he just got me thinking, because I knew his face and all that, I didn't know who he was. I tried to recognise his face in Green Mile, you've nailed it there, that's where I remember him from. Yeah, he got an Oscar nomination yeah, for that, right. I believe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so he definitely, definitely left us way too soon. Uh, yeah, he does a good job as a security guard in this episode, too, when he interrogates Beauty and the Flea, which is, of course, a reference to another tale adapted to Disney animated film, Beauty and the Beast, which uh, I was way too young to watch when it came out, but I saw that in video, know that one pretty well, too. So, uh Yes, there's a little encounter there, and uh, so Bud says he's the Bumblebee as a bit of a, you know, trying to get get past the guard. Or he checks the guard. Oh, there's no Bumblebees on tonight's card. It's funny there. I just just another wrestling anecdote from this period of wrestling. There was actually a tag team called the um the Killer Bees, 
Now, <laughs> there's two guys. Well, it was, um, I've got the note here. It was Jumpin' Jim Brunzel and B. Brian Blair. So they're both surnames with B. And they were called Killer Bees. Something to do with a football team or something like that. But they were Killer Bees and they wore black and gold uh, striped trunks. Yeah. <laughs> No, they looked at that B wow. look about them, but uh, they were in it, I think, up until about 88 or something like that, and then s- separated. But yeah, definitely there was a wrestling tag team called the Killer Bees. Nice. Yes, uh, but Bud's no Killer Bee, that's for sure. <laughs> oh no. He's about the size of a bee. Yeah. I, I noticed this. Doesn't he look small? Yeah, he looks <laughs> smaller than usual. <laughs> He looks smaller than the girls. He looks smaller than the guys, obviously. But he looks tiny. I've got Bud looks tiny. That's the notes I've got. Yeah, I mean, we know, you know, we know he's tiny, but like he looks extra small. Whether he's just being um, filmed in the f- in the background and everybody else is in the foreground, but mm. yeah, I mean, Kelly is always taller than him in heels anyway. But yeah, everybody in every scene is just towering over this little insect. I put it down to good camera angles and, uh, well, let's fact, like I said, a security guard is six foot five. Of course, it's going to be tiny compared to him, so that would emphasize that. And how tall is King Kong Bundy? He's about six foot, right? Uh, he was King Kong Bundy. He, he, I'm definitely taller than David Faustino. Sorry, um, <laughs> David, if you ever listen to this, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I think he's okay with it. Yeah, you're six foot four, which isn't really that super tall when you think about it. It's taller than me still, but that, I mean, it's not. Yeah. It's tall, but it's not mega tall. It's not, yeah, it's not um, mega tall. It's not. Bull, it's not abnormally tall. Yeah. It's not bull from night court tall. He was six foot. He's six foot eight. Oh, we'll meet him soon. Yes, yeah, so Hulk Hogan was about that size too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so between those two, of course, he's of course he's pretty short. But King Kong Bundy, he's furious. He breaks some glass. Bang. Kelly, that's him. That's the guy I need to get the picture with to get into No Man. Yo, Kong, how they clanging, man? I'm mad, I'm, a, I'm madder than mad. I'm freaking bananas. Yeah. Captain Ecology just backed out of our match. That sissy Mary says, it's cloudy and my solar car won't start. <laughs> Captain Ecology? <laughs> Captain Ecology, yes. I wonder if that was a stab at Captain Planet or just a random jib. It probably is. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was popular with kids around this time, so it could have been a stab at Captain Planet. Hmm. Yes. Uh, and uh, so, obviously, King Kong Bundy's in the same room as Bud, and Bud uh, goes up to him and, you know, asks for a photo of him. Uh, he refers to his dad as being brain dead. <laughs> there is a book called Captain Ecology, Pollution Fighter. Um, I, I'm afraid my research stops there, but it says 1974. So now I'm wondering just what this is exactly. It looks like a superhero. It's a collection of fun cartoons, so you definitely aim to kill children. Yeah, it might just be a random joke and a coincidence. Yeah, I think it is a co- coincidence, yes. Uh, I think I think it is a coincidence, uh, yes. Uh, well, and one of my favourite bits of this episode is right here, where Kelly basically uh, signs Bud up against his will. Actually, she actually bought the whole stuff about him being a backup wrestler. I have an idea. Now, since my brother here is the backup wrestler, (laughs) he could take the place of Captain Proctology. (laughs) You know, she's right. 
You can fight the zzz bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone? <laughs> I like that she calls him Captain Proctology. That uh, <laughs> substitutes proctology for ecology. But yeah. Oh, Kelly. Oh, Kelly. Uh, yeah, I know you're not the sharpest tool in the shed, but surely you should have known that uh, your brother is not a wrestler. <laughs> and the valet, what's her name? Anytime says, and everyone will be happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Blonder and Kelly. Everyone? Blonder and Thicker than Kelly. <laughs> I don't think Bud's very happy, do you? <laughs> oh, poor poor little mite. Poor little bee. Yeah, poor little bumble- bumblebee. Poor little bumblebee. Uh, yeah, and in the first act of the episode... That's the first act of the episode. Uh, the second act opens very identically to the first. Yeah, are we going back in time? Because I'm experiencing deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alan Gnome is singing, It's a man's man's world again. Woo-hoo. This is a man's world. This is a man's world. But it wouldn't Tonight, while our wives are out trick-or-treating, dressed as large, ugly women and a chicken, (laughs) we will be watching in color on a full-size TV, Wrestlepalooza! And, uh... (laughs) What I I noticed here was they talked about, you know, well, the ladies are out of bingo again, and, you know, and they want to watch... They're going to watch, uh... Um, watch some wrestling in colour. I'm thinking, hang on, watch it in colour? Does that mean Bud is a monochrome set? I assume so, yeah. Well, yeah, probably, yeah. Just one of those small portable black and whites, yeah. Because it looks, it looks, it looks, I'm about to say, I mean, 995 having a black and white set, I'm thinking, surely you could do better than that, Bud. That's just me, though. And look, but then the, the men have a little dilemma now, because... They're wondering what they what to eat because they, they ate all their just Oreo filling, Cheeto dust, alcohol, and jerky. <laughs> all they've got left are the pretzels that Bob Rooney sucked all the salt off. Ew! Mm. Which Ike's eating? Ugh. Well, Ike is a, Ike is not a beacon of of good quality procedures or good taste in food. <laughs> <laughs> what are we gonna eat tonight then? Cheeto! By God, for you kids had a pretty darn good night, didn't you? Don't we look scary? No, this is scary. So what can I do? Oh, look, trick or treaters. <laughs> yeah, these little kids come up, trick or treat, and with their little buckets of sweets, and they scare them off with Bob Rooney's belly. I mean, I've gained a fair bit of weight over the past year, a year and a half, but I'm not that fat. Gosh. Yeah, even I'm not, uh, if I haven't got to Bob Rooney levels yet, uh, I don't want to scare kids that easy. You <laughs> <laughs> say yet. Yeah, I'm not, oh, uh, not going to be Bob Rooney Mark 2. Uh, but yeah, they open the door and 
The ladies are watching Deja Mu. Oh, no, no, no. Scratch that, scratch that. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's a rebroadcast of Old Man, Older Woman, because CBS detected enough aud- the audience felt went to sleep. Well, we must have gone back in time because I'm experiencing Deja Mu. <laughs> we are watching the rebroadcast of Old Man, Older Woman. So much of CBS's audience fell asleep, they're showing it again. <laughs> Only this time they're airing it earlier and louder. Forget it! We're watching wrestling. We went through too much trouble to get these snacks to let them go to waste. <laughs> but they have to show it again earlier and louder. Yes, and yeah. louder. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, definitely. CBS was definitely the unhip network in the mid '90s, um, because this was a good five, six years before they really, really reinvented themselves with um, the CSI franchise, and then and then NCIS a couple of years after that. Mm. Then it became the cool network for crime dramas, (laughs) and obviously the reboot of Hawaii Five-O even later. But yeah, CBS for now, yeah, definitely uh, the older people's network. Yeah, wrestling appeals to the dregs, dregs of society, hey? Well, I don't know. Uh, oh, ha! Marcy does like her wrestler and boxer types, as evidenced back in Season 5, Episode 11, and Baby Makes Money, because obviously at this point, Al's already taken the remote and changed the channel. Yeah, Marcy just got a thing. I mean, in that episode you mentioned in Season 5, she, has a, she describes her, her sex fantasy. And, you know, at the other end, they're greasing up Mike Tyson. <laughs> and here, she takes one look at the wrestlers and has another orgasm. <laughs> oh. Wrestling appeals to the dregs of American society. We women, however, appreciate meaningful, uplifting entertainment. <laughs> oh my God, look at that wrestler. I'd love to pin him to the mat. (laughs) Now that is a real man. Not some high school football hero who got married and turned to mush. Well, I guess it's true what they say. You are what you marry. (laughs) That would make me a hoe. Yeah, she's too easily pleased, I think. (laughs) She goes to argue with Alan Stryer. She goes, ooh, look at that wrestler. And it's uh, a different ball game. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, and all the ladies are getting really into it, aren't they? Yeah. Just a little bit. Uh, well, okay. So, uh, yeah, well, so, all right. So, Bob, oh, hang on, look, a bit earlier there. Uh, so, Marcy likes it. Uh, Peggy calls Al the human equivalent of mush. Ike thinks Elvis <laughs> is alive. Hmm. <laughs> And that this is a wrestling match where costumes under costume. My Ike felt that way about Elvis before he died. <laughs> He's alive, I tell you! Alive, I say! <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Jimmy Lennon Jr. and welcome to the special Halloween edition of Wrestlepalooza, where tonight's wrestlers have costumes under their costumes. Tonight's main event features the most feared man on earth, introducing King Kong Bundy. 
that's the bit too where um, what is it? Uh, yeah, Al turns to mush and and uh, Al says, "You you are what you marry." And then Griff says, "That would make me a hoe." <laughs> oh, Griff! <laughs> Classic Griff. Griff comes out with a perler. <laughs> yes, yes, he does. He does. And of course, and then Ike goes on a rant. He believes Elvis is still alive. He's alive, I tell you. He's a nice callback to season three's "I'm Going to Sweatland." <laughs> I love it when they do, um, you know, callbacks to episodes like that, especially this far into the series, because season three was quite a long time ago at this point. Mm. Mm. Yes, Halloween. Uh, so Jimmy Lennon Jr. is announcing it, and a little bit about him. Uh, well, after you notice the John 316 rainbow wig guy, we've done John 316 plenty of times in this podcast before, but Jimmy Lennon Jr. was born on the 5th of August, 1958, He's a boxing ring announcer for the U.S. and employed by Showtime and Fox Sports primarily for Showtime Championship Boxing and Premier Boxing Champions. Also by Bob Arum's top rank on ESPN events. And uh, previously, I was also involved in Fox Sports when I had rights to professional boxing and ring announcer for Don King Promotions fights on various networks, including HBO. Although uh, he's largely done Showtime fights since 1991. Catchphrase, it's Showtime. Not, but not on Fox because they won't let him use it. I like to. He does the introduction similar to the guy who used to do the wrestling. Was a guy called Howard Finkel. He used to be called the Fink, and he'd uh, do all the intros. And what he says, which is really funny, when he introduces Bud as the Bumblebee, is from yeah. parts unknown. And for <laughs> in wrestle in the WrestleMania and all that in those days, any character wrestlers that didn't have a like a persona, so they're like the guys like Ultimate Warrior, the Blue Blazer, and all those, they're always from parts unknown. So the Bumblebee is also from parts unknown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So parts unknown. Well, I think there might be a few parts involved in this um wrestling match, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which is um well, uh, it's seven o'clock and it's time to switch over to CBS. But Marcy does not want to miss this. Any none of the women do. They want to miss a televised bobbit zing. That's what I get for trying to take it easy on you. I expect that kind of chicanery from the fighting forest. But I assume from your valet, you were the kind of guy who liked girls. I do. Then prepare to become one. This is cool. King Kong is twisting off the bumblebee's stinger. That's not a stinger. Oh, girls, it's 7 o'clock. It's time to switch to old man, older woman. Are you insane? And miss a televised bobatizing? Yeah, bobatizing. Yeah, bobatizing. <laughs> a live bobatizing. Yeah. Another reference to... Lorena Bobbitt. Very timely around this time, but we still know who they are, of course. Um, in last seasons, in last seasons, the naked and the dead, but mostly the naked. Marcy says in reference to Jennifer, uh, Jennifer, <laughs> in reference to Jefferson, that um, she would do things to him that would make Lorena Bobbitt toss her cookies. And Jefferson just puts his hat over his crotch, like, ouch. Yeah, ouch indeed. <laughs> so yeah, they've been mentioned before on the show, but. It's always a good laugh for a laugh. Yes, indeed. (laughs) 
Oh man, oh man, oh man. Uh, but yeah, anytime and honey, the um, um, the ladies or oh, honey, yummy, yummy. Uh, anytime, I could have her anytime. Uh, Bud was begging before he was pushed on the stage. He was literally pushed on. King Kong knocks him off. Uh, he smacks into KK's back. Uh, it's a it's a pretty decent fight for a fake a fake fake wrestling match. Fake fake, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I put in my notes. I'm looking at Honey's Heine. <laughs> Egyptian honey. Yes. Oh, yeah, Egyptian honey. Yum, yum, yum. Uh, and KK is mad. Because Bumblebee is mad at Bud, and, uh, well, uh, he thinks he's gay. Uh, if it, I thought you liked girls. I do. Well, you're going to become one. <laughs> Kelly! Much fun. I think the bumblebee's dead. <laughs> oh, Bob Rooney, you know what all this grunting and sweating and screaming reminds me of? Thanksgiving dinner at your mother's? <laughs> I was thinking of what we do after dinner, you big turkey baster, you. Uh oh. Jefferson. Do you know what all these sweaty men in tight spandex remind me of? Thanksgiving dinner at your father's? Well, yes. But also... Uh-oh. Mike, can little Elvis come out and play? Uh-oh. The ladies are super hooked, aren't they? They certainly are. They become too. They become too big of a fan. Or oh, Bob Rooney's worried. Uh, Marcy. Oh well. Now, did you notice that um all the um that Bob, uh, Mrs. Rooney, Marcy, and uh, Ike's wife are all wearing uh Halloween tops? Yeah. Uh, I noticed. Ike. Yeah. Ike and Bob Rooney's wife. Yeah. Swear, I think. Yeah. I mean. This is a Halloween episode, but it's not overtly referenced to except when they're getting the candy and dressing up as something like a bumblebee or Pocahontas. But yeah, I'm just looking at Marcy's shirt now, and there's things on her shirt you can't really see on a small TV, but nowadays on these bigger TVs you can see a bit more clearly. But I certainly noticed um, Bob Rooney and Ike's wife's tops better. Yeah, I like the um, nice attention to detail on Ike's wife's top, uh, Marcy's little den- denim top for Halloween decorations, and uh, even um, Bob Rooney's wife, just the orange one with the Halloween, Halloween um, it print on the front, even that's nice. Hmm. I thought it was pretty cool, because I didn't really notice this until tonight, um, those shirt, the shirt prints. Oh, and um, Peg's shirt, you can't really see it, but I think her top, her black top underneath her red overtop, the black top has got pumpkins on it. Yeah. And you sort of need to go back and watch that because I was sort of, I didn't really look out for it, but she's covered up a lot. And that's because if you, if you notice, or if you, if you know, Katie Seagal is quite pregnant here. So she's very, quite covered up and she sits the entire time pretty much. Yeah. But she is starting to sort of noticeably look heavier. But I'd noticed on the front of her top that she's wearing a black top and there's a little orange pumpkin on the front. Yeah. Hmm. 
And so she's she's still in the Halloween theme as well. So you just can't see it until you sort of go in looking for this kind of stuff. But I think if she wasn't being covered up, she would, you know, it'd be, her costume, so to speak, would be um, more on display, I think. Nice, I think so too. Uh, yeah, very, very well, um, very, very nice design on the... Uh... Oh, what's it called? Uh, Halloween tops, all three of them. Uh, Griff and Sticky, this is still so Sticky's last appearance as a member of No Man, they just run out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Sticky's last appearance. He's gone. Yep, and Griff is, Griff is like, we're out of here. Ah! Oh, uh... <laughs> He's like, uh-oh. <laughs> and uh, Al talks to uh, Peg saying, you want to grab my watch, I'm going to call it? Peg's all, there's a lot of people around, Al, okay? And then I was like, I meant this whatchamacallit, you cherry blow pop. <laughs> Which is another... She still grabbed it. She did, she did. <laughs> Which is another reference to a chocolate bar, or Americans call it candy bar. This was marketed in the United States uh, by the Hershey Company, introduced in 1978. It was a peanut-flavoured crisp that utilised peanut butter as a flavouring agent, coating a thin layer of chocolate until 1987. Up to 1987 until 2008, it included a peanut flavored crisp that utilized a peanut butter's flavoring agent, but this time added a layer of caramel um, before the um, ch- chocolate coating. And in the late 1980s, there was a new wave style commercial referring to the bar in various ways to say, Whatchamacallit! Including names being made up like Wowzamdoo, Canada. Uh, it was also it was called Special Crisp, uh, but it isn't as popular there as it is in the United States. I've not seen Whatchamacallits um, here in Australia, not even in the um, sweet shops where they sell a lot of British and American stuff. No, no I've never seen it. No, same, you haven't heard it. So it sounds a little bit like a Snickers, doesn't it? It does, it does a bit, actually. Mm, a little bit. So to all of our American fans, if you've had a Whatchamacallit, uh, please let us know what it's like. Or a cherry blow pop. Yeah, cherry blow pop. Yeah, one of those <laughs> two. <laughs> to take a little break in the Jiggly Room. I'm the DJ, and I'm going to play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children. Take us out of 
bitch hasn't it uh i think oh buds beeson and kk Ooh, yep uh what's that shadow over him huh oh no oh no oh no boom that reminded me so much of al's fight in the wrestling ring with big bad mama in season four. Oh yes oh, yeah. the casino episode yeah. you're in vegas yes that's right yes i thought i'd seen it before somewhere I've got a note here that back in the day when this was first on, I was talking to the boys about my friends about it, and I know one of my mates said one thing he remembers about this episode is doesn't Bud have a great scream? Yes, <laughs> he does. He does. He does. You know, they have a scene who knows how to scream. Uh, but yeah, so King Kong Bundy, he's going in for the final, final block. Kill him, as I'd say in um, Mortal Kombat, uh, a fighting video game which I love. Uh, and he pounced, boom! Kate King Kong Bundy is the victor. And Bud's team have seen better days after counting to five when he's been, when he finally gets released from his pin. <laughs> Show me some tea. <laughs> there was one one that I've got here. You know when Bundy uh, gives him a clothesline, he flips over. Yeah. You think that was a stunt guy mm. or not? Yes. Yeah, think? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty certain it was. He just moves differently, yeah. and I'm not entirely sure they would subject their actors to that kind of um Oof. I think they sort of more they probably I think they insist on getting a stunt double in to do a, a proper thing like yeah. that. It just and they just did got, it so um, well and because because wrestling's so well choreographed and and the, the the canvas is quite soft, it's done really well. I've just thought for a moment it did look like him but uh, you wouldn't expect it to be him because of insurance purposes, etc. But just for a second I thought it was him. Exactly, yeah. Mm. I I thought it was I mean it's it's if you told me it was him, I'd believe it, but mm. I don't think it is yeah. him. Um, like you say, they wouldn't subject their actors to that <laughs> and risk breaking them. That's what stunt players are for. But they've got um, their resident stunt man, as I call him, mm. Frank Lloyd, who plays the referee. Yes. He's, he's usually involved in all the married children's stunts, but here he's playing a referee and not really doing any stunts at all. But he probably is a stunt coordinator I don't know he's got friends so he probably knows the people doing the stunts for Bud anyway there's another yeah that that flip I don't think that's Bud and there's another one uh, somewhere possibly when he's up in the S one of those that's, that's probably a stunt double as well because he's crawling on the floor to Kelly you don't actually see his face till he gets to Kelly so no and you can hear you can clearly see that he, his words there are overdubbed as well yes yes Yes, you can definitely tell, that's for sure. But yeah, poor Bud, he's had quite a few of his teeth knocked out. 
Yes. Uh, oh, not well. Not for long, though. No, they seem to magically regenerate. <laughs> they just screwed back. I know, it's it's magic. It's the magic of TV. It's the magic of <laughs> um, being a senator from Wanky County. Or <laughs> maybe it's all that Chernobyl chicken they eat. Maybe. No, that's, <laughs> that's the old Looney Tunes expert, you know, when they get... Bugs Bunny gets blown up or something like that. Yeah. They're okay two seconds later. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> Acme teeth regrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Acme teeth. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully Bud gets into No Man after all this time. Right? Right? But alas. Dead? Oh, good. You're out of the coma. <laughs> Where am I? Is she gone? Is, is it over? <laughs> yes, Dad. Now, save your strength. The important thing is, I got my picture with King Kong Bundy. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm in no man, right? N- no, son. We, we don't watch wrestling anymore. <laughs> See, we learned tonight that wrestling on TV leads to wrestling at home. <laughs> And that ultimately leads to sex with the wife. Uh, we don't watch wrestling anymore, son. Because so that that seems a bit extreme, but uh, well, or, or does it? Because you know we don't watch wrestling anymore because it leads to sex. I mean, <laughs> yeah, because wrestling on TV becomes wrestling at home, which means having funky time in bed. So now, no, ma'am, stands for. Numb old men anxiously awaiting morticians. <laughs> well, I mean, which kind of rings true now because uh, all the guys from No Man would be elderly now. There's a thought, yeah, that it'll be mid 70s or older. Mm. They would be, yes, because yeah. obviously Ed O'Neill himself is 75. Mm-hmm. So now No Man stands for numb old men anxiously awaiting morticians. <laughs> I'll have to remember that myself next time someone asks me what my No Ma'am shirt stands for, to say that alternate title. Yeah, same here. <laughs> Do it. I will too. Uh, I'll also say, um, this episode, uh, when, I've, when I, I've, I've seen this episode at least four times now, uh, well, actually, at least five times, and I will say, it reminds me, next time Coracon or Supernova come back to Perth, uh, and uh, when my friend from Canberra's moved back, I'm, go- I'm, I'm thinking about getting one of my groups of friends together and all of us can go as the guys of No Man to Supernova or Comic Con. <laughs> I'll pay for the shirts. Are you going to each of you play a different No Man guy or just go as yourselves wearing No Man shirts? Well, I could, I could, I could be Al, uh, one of the guys from Bob Roo. Like if, if you've got a friend who's like really good looking, really pretty, he could be Jefferson. He could or... be. Well, I've got a guy who could be Bob Rooney easily. <laughs> yeah. I keep the belly. And... Yeah, yeah. But, although he is getting healthier, so uh, but he can still be he can still be Bob Rooney. Uh, don't I don't really have a Jefferson in this group. I'll make a really different. Take one of the girls. Okay. Mm. <laughs> well, I guess you can wear a fan shirt. <laughs> no, I'll take one of the girls. Wear an AM shirt. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I got a few. Why not? Yeah. But yeah, so uh, Marcus, Zach, Elliot, uh, Hugsy, aka Luke, and. Uh, <laughs> Matt from Canberra, if you're listening to this, uh, let me know what you think of this idea when um, you're back in, t- back in Perth, Matt. 
But it's a good idea, I think. I just, it just made me think back in the days used to play indoor cricket. It would have been good to have an indoor cricket team called No Ma'am and get T-shirts for the whole team. Yeah. <laughs> 11, 11 of you No Mammers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No Mammers. <laughs> oh, man. That would have been a good indoor cricket team. Or it would also work as a oh. bowling team. Yes. Yeah, any sporting yeah. team like that. But yes, not oh numb, yeah numb old men anxiously awaiting morticians, and they're not doing very well in that in those um hospital beds at home. Yeah, they're both on drips, which Al calls the best meal he's had in years. So all this was a waste of time. Well, for you maybe. It's the best meal I've had at home in years. <laughs> this is a T-bone mashed potato drip going this time, baby. Mmm, <laughs> that's eating. Hey, son, are, are you going to finish yours? <laughs> <laughs> what did Peg do to him? I know, or has he really fried his taste buds from eating too much Oreo filling and Cheeto dust? <laughs> <laughs> so lack of salt on the pretzels. Oh, yeah, that too. And uh, probably the just alcohol probably ru- ruined his palate. <laughs> All that clear absinthe. <laughs> 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 and the and owl's like, you gonna finish your drip, son? Oh, owl wants Bud's drip. Oh, disgusting. As, as well. <laughs> disgusting. Disgusting! Yeah, but that's definitely um, TV em- emphasis, because I've been on the drip, and yeah, I could not taste it. <laughs> not something I want to do again, trust me. <laughs> oh, and uh, episode uh, ends there with basically the two of them staying on the, laying on the laying on the sofa, recovering um, from well being wrestled and wrestled. I've got a question. Yeah, I was just thinking back to the title of this episode. It's "Flight of the Bumblebee," and we know that's a piece of music. But um, did they? What do you reckon? Did they think of the episode? So, did they think of the episode title? first and then decided to dress Bud in a bumblebee costume or did the costume come first and they went I know we'll call this Flight of the Bumblebee well that's a good question because uh, obviously they would have had the whole King Kong Bundy idea so they could have wondered what to dress Bud in um, then at the same time that could, could have been the other way around as you said so it's really a much of a muchness um, it's really hard for me to f- guess which one it would have been uh, maybe they just wanted to dress him up in some sort of insect to really highlight his small stature. And this is not the first time he's played a bug. Because again, back in Season 6 in The Goodbye Girl, he's played a bug, an insect in that before. <laughs> you know, with one more arm, he'd have a date for every night of the week. <laughs> <laughs> so now he's a bee. I'm just wondering if they... if why they chose a bee or if they went with that because they could call it Flight of the Bubble Bee. Or... I think I, I know I'm overthinking it, but... It's just something I've always wondered. And you make it it's un- it would be unusual to go out on Halloween dressed as a bumblebee. Why would you be dressed <laughs> as a bumblebee? Yeah. So they may have, like I said, um, as you said, uh, pop thought of the, uh, what's it called, uh, title first? Because or... hmm. uh, there's a couple of episodes in season 10. There's one in particular I th- we'll come to later where it's very much... To me, anyway, and I think Tyler has touched on this before, where they think of an episode title first and then write the episode around that. I won't say which episode I'm thinking of, but it's later on in this season. And I'm just wondering if that starts to happen more often. But Flight of the Bumblebee, we didn't really touch on that, but that's written by Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov for his opera, The Tale of Sar Sultan. 
composed about 1899-1900. And, you know, its composition is intended to musically evoke the seemingly chaotic and rapidly changing flying pattern of Bumblebee. And despite the piece being an incidental part of that opera, it's one of the more familiar classical works because of its frequent use in pop culture. And before we started recording, I was just thinking back to uh, a recording of it on guitar by guitarist John Petrucci from the band Dream Theatre. I don't know if you either of you are familiar with Dream Theatre, but they are an awesome band. All right. And the and the guitarist from that band is just a live version of that piece of music, and he's just a phenomenal guitarist. So he's playing "Flood of the Bumblebee" on guitar that fast, if not faster. But that's what I think of now because I've I've had that piece of music on my computer for fifteen or something years. Someone's playing something. Oh, sorry, my phone just um yeah. It's, I was like, oh, better shut that off. <laughs> is he playing that acoustic or electric, Anna? Electric. Okay. And it's just a live version. It's like... Like full-on licks and riffs, yeah. He's shredding. Yeah, so no matter where the episode title came from, definitely fitting music for this episode. Yes, and thankfully, Bud Bundy made a full recovery for the next one in true Looney Tune style. That's our folks. Yeah, that's our folks, that's for sure. No Ma'am will be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Now, how many seconds are you going to pin the bumblebee down for this episode, uh, Steve? Um, I watched this twice yesterday, and after watching it, I think I'd give it four pins. Um, I actually quite enjoyed it. I think that might be because of my love of wrestling at that time. And although I didn't see a lot of King Kong Bundy, I, I was aware and watched a lot of the wrestling around that time in the late 80s and early 90s. And that, so that had a bit for me. Um, it sort of I understand all the background of it. Look, I even understand the, the valets, the girls that used to attend with the wrestlers and be their backups on some of those storylines. So it all made sense to me. I found it quite funny and... It's always good when the no ma'am guys are in dispute with the ladies and the, the ladies, well, basically get horny again. So it's always funny when that happens. So overall, because uh, there's a lot in uh, season 10 I'm, I'm, I'm not really thrilled about, but this one really made me belly laugh a little bit. So um, no, I'll give it four. I'm pretty happy with it. Nice, nice. Uh, Annabelle, how many seconds are you going to pin the bumblebee down for this episode? I think I will... Go. I was back and forth a bit. I think I will settle on. I was between three and three and a half. I think I'll stick with three, and I could be swayed to go an extra half step, another half a second. Watch it with watch, watch it with your watch it with your husband Anna, and see if um, oh, okay. that increases the rating. Well, <laughs> it probably would. I mean, because he laughs at a lot of a lot of things, and I'm not saying I didn't enjoy this episode. Um, I think 
if I were a wrestling fan, I would rate it higher, certainly. Um, King Kong Bundy is he's, he's, he's obviously huge in the wrestling world and, and in the married children world, of course, and we know him as playing a member of the Wanker family from season two. It's, so I find it interesting that he's come back to play himself this time. And I think that's pretty cool. And it's nice to see um, someone before they were famous, like Michael Clark Duncan. Um, and I say I'm not a wrestling fan, but I think there's enough here to hold interest for a, a non-fan. Um, I can only speak for myself, of course. And this is the second time and only one of two Halloween episodes Marriage of Children has attempted. And incidentally, we covered the Halloween, the first Halloween episode in season eight. And that was a, a proper Halloween episode. And this one, they advertised it as a Halloween episode. And it was, but it was not a huge part of it. So it just happened to be Halloween, basically. But it's an excuse to dress butt up in this costume that makes him look so teeny tiny. And I think that's what's funny about it. Well, the stuff that works for me is um, these later season episodes which involve Bud I think they usually work pretty well especially when and when you realise that if there's anyone in the world who's been treated worse than Al Bundy it's going to be Bud Bundy because um, he literally yes. almost gets <laughs> wrestled to death um, so he just takes so much and he does a great scream I actually wrote down Bud, Bud screaming before you had mentioned that, Steve. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a there's enough to hold my interest, but um, and there's there's a here and there. There's quite a few good laughs. What I did like is when the wives they switch to each wife asking their husband, "You know what this reminds me of?" Or you know, Marcy asked Jefferson, "All this uh, sweaty men and tight spandex reminds me of," and Jefferson says, "Thanksgiving Day at your father's." <laughs> And they just go around the room like that to each um, husband and wife as they gradually get turned on, um, which I find interesting because wrestling's never been a turn on for me. I just I think that's fascinating in in and of itself. But I suppose I get it. But yeah, I mean I like this episode. I don't love it. There's a few good laughs, and yeah, there's enough to hold my interest. But it's it's sort of it's early season ten. So the show is starting to, to wane a bit, but I don't dislike it. It's fun. It's what it is. And it's fine. <laughs> I can't get any deeper than that. Well, th thank you, Annabelle. Thank you for that. Uh, as for myself, well, I was tossing up myself between three and a half and four seconds myself for my own rating. Uh, I mean, I was, uh, even though I like wrestling more now, and I did say uh, 20, tw like when I was younger, I mean, I will say 20, about almost 20 years ago, I loved a video game on the PlayStation called The Simpsons Wrestling, which is basically a Simpsonized version of wrestling. You had things like Marge using a frying pan as a, a, t a weapon, or Mr. Flanders would, you, you would pray and you had Thunderbolts coming down from heaven, or Homie uses his bowling ball, and so on and so forth. Uh, yes, uh, yeah, so uh, that's, that's the question came to rocking wrestling when I was a boy, so I'll give this one four seconds, because I like wrestling a bit more now, especially after seeing the amateur wrestling earlier this year, so I can appreciate that sort of thing more, especially when they, like, run, run to the, behind the stage for possible backstage fights, uh, just the way, um, just how, uh, even in 1995, how they, 
successful they were bucking out Bud's teeth without um, digital technology like they would have had in Brooklyn Nine-Nine's Halloween heist where Gina looks like she knocks out two, 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 two teeth. Uh, yeah, the, the Halloween shirts made um, were a nice little touch as well. They helped bump up my score a little bit too, just the nice little touch on the Halloween shirts um, that you may not have noticed in previous viewings or on smaller screens. And just nice to have King Kong Bundy back. Uh, and also... Um, Kelly's um, glittery golden dress, and not to mention the, all the just, <laughs> just Oreo filling. Just <laughs> yeah, I did just, like that. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, but uh, that, that's not my idea of a <laughs> snack. I do like their their random place names of stores. You know, like simply crap or the just store. <laughs> yes, I love the generic names they use in this show. <laughs> Part of his charm. And that wraps up our review for um, Season 10, Episode 7 of the Married with Children podcast. But, uh, yeah, so tune in next week for Season 10, Episode 8, Blonde and Blonder, where uh, Luigi and Chris Times 2 will be reviewing that episode, where Marcy organises a Toys for Guns campaign to get kids something to play, have else to play with than toy guns. Uh, Kelly has a post-graduation five-year reunion, and she's shocked to learn that the nerd she once stood up has become handsome and rich. So, tune in next week on the same Bundy time, same Bundy channel and platform uh, for um, that that review. But for now, we wish you a good week. <laughs>